Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello and welcome to episode 87 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian here as always with Michaela. Michaela, you and I ventured out to the movie theater last night. Um, it was dangerous. Uh, there were things flying through the sky, uh, you know, but we, we persevered. We made it in to see a new movie and we are excited to be talking about it uh, this week for everyone. But uh, what else have you been up to, uh, you know, aside going uh, to movies with, you know, potential aliens slash creatures that may or may not uh, eat us just for, you know, tempting fate? What else have you been up to? Well, I um, started uh, my documentary kind of shtick that happens once in a Mm -hmm. while. Um, Mm -hmm. You have really inspired me. Both you and your wife watch a ton of documentaries. And so I was like, hey, I want to be more like y'all. And I started uh, this really amazing one that actually my son got me into. And he's only seven, but he is obsessed with uh, the mystery of D.B. Cooper. Oh, okay. And for any of you who don't know who that is, it's a um, it's a true story about a man who his, we he is he's called himself Dan Cooper, and he hijacked a, a Northwest Orient flight uh, as it flew from Portland to Seattle on November twenty first, nineteen seventy one, and he actually asked for like two hundred fifty thousand dollars and four parachutes, and then he jumped off the back of the plane, and no one saw him again. It's a very famous unsolved mystery. And, mm-hmm. um, but this year, in fact, a couple of weeks ago, DB Cooper, where are you came out and it's like a four or five part mini series documentary series about, um, all of the suspects that the world, uh, thought really fit the bill for DB Cooper, because even though a lot of people saw him, uh, he, he hadn't been seen again. And so, um, I gotta tell you, my son and I have been really digging into this, um, docuseries we're one episode away so i don't know if it reveals uh who they actually think it is or if they finally get this person it's been 50 years it's been a long time so whoever it is they might not be alive anymore to to confess but um i'm sure enjoying it if you like a good like true crime unsolved mysteries thing uh, I think it'd be fun for everybody to watch. That, what about you? One. Have that's you seen anything? Uh, yeah, so I, I have. Well, I saw that that was available. It's on Netflix, I believe. Um, we haven't started yes. into that one yet, but I did finish up a documentary. Um, speaking of documentaries, we were uh, we were hanging out, the wife and I, and she kind of fell asleep on the couch. So I was you know, browsing through stuff to watch, and I uh, stumbled back upon the uh, Get Out documentary uh, that Peter Jackson did about the Beatles, um, and I'd watched the first two episodes of that, but I never finished. I never watched the third part, um, in part because they're very long episodes. They're each like two and a half hours long each, and if <laughs> I, I could see how it could kind of be lost on you, you kind of get the gist of it, you know, in like the first half hour, um, you know, of, of their brilliance and, and what they're trying to accomplish. So if you're really not into like the creative process and you're really not into the Beatles, you know, it's, it's probably a little dull, but I found it uh, fascinating personally. And uh, my wife was asleep. So I, I turned that on and finished it up, uh, got through through the end of that uh, three week period of the uh, the Beatles life, you know, coming up with that uh, album there. So uh, that was really great. So I'd highly recommend, you know, at least checking out a little bit of it, even if you don't, you know, stick around through all three parts. I think it's worth just kind of, you know, picking a spot, jumping in and just watching, you know, these uh, yeah. uh, four geniuses just uh, do their thing for a while. It's it's pretty great. So yeah. uh, check that out. Uh, check out other documentaries. And if you have other documentaries uh, that we should check out, let us know. Uh, but for now, Michaela, we need we need to uh, take a quick break. We need a drink because after the movie last night, I needed a drink then. I need a drink now to talk about it. Uh, we need all sorts of drinks. So we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back for this week's cocktail. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So this week, we took our inspiration from the horses we see at the Haywood Hollywood Ranch heading up to the sky. And we decided to go for it and have a flying horse cocktail from Absolute. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we uh, we were a little inspired. You know, uh, we're going to be talking about Nope this week. And, you know, other than seeing the trailer and that it looks kind of insane, you didn't really know much about it. Um, the movie posters for this uh, film were awesome. And it was basically just a bunch of various objects just, uh, you know, flying up to this, uh, I don't know, something in the sky. You didn't know what was up. But the the most iconic one, the, kind of the most iconic visual maybe from the film is the horse uh, going up into the sky. So we decided to go with a flying horse cocktail and this one yeah it comes to us from absolute uh vodka so you are encouraged to use absolute vodka if you have that or you could use uh any vodka or maybe even a gin but we'll get into that so the way you're going to do this it's a uh, pretty much a uh, basic martini uh sort of style so you're going to take one and a half ounces of your vodka a half ounce of dry vermouth and a half ounce of uh, Grand Marnier, or you could use triple sec, basically just kind of any orange liqueur. And you're going to put that in your shaker with ice, shake it and strain it into a chilled martini glass, uh, throw a cherry in there uh, for added effect and sip and enjoy. Uh, so Michaela, we love a martini. We love variants on a martini, but I've never dreamed of putting Grand Marnier in a martini. But but why did I never dream of that? Because that makes total sense. It makes total sense. It's delicious. Um, it adds a nice sweetness to it. So one of the things that people might not like about a martini is it can be awfully dry and very mm. boozy. This is still boozy, but it's just got to kick a sweetness into it. So you're not, um, you're not overwhelmed by like the tangy kind of acidicness, um, that can sit in your mouth when you're having gin or vodka. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this was really nice and I love the uh I love the cherry at the end because there's nothing better than a booze soaked cherry. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh this was delicious and yeah, it just gives it a little hint of sweetness. It gives it a little bit more mouthfeel from that uh Grand Marnier and uh this was quite lovely. Um and I wanted to go back and then try it with a gin. Um if you you've been listening to the podcast for any time, you know that I uh, much prefer a gin martini to a vodka martini. So um, I gave that a try with a gin and in particular, American gins are good for this because a lot of them have sort of these kind of citrus fruit uh, notes to them and that uh, botanical blend, you know, orange or grapefruit, uh, stuff like that. So um, give that a try with the gin because it's also excellent, pairs really nicely with that Grand Marnier and uh, you still get that uh, delicious cherry at the end. But uh, did you have a chance to try this with the gin? Uh, Michaela, or is that on your to-do list for this weekend? Yeah, I did. I did try it with a gin. Um, I uh, my favorite gin lately is Brockman's. Right? It's just a. Mm-hmm. It's a mm-hmm. nice. And so, uh, I did a twofer <laughs> with this. Oh, okay. I did one with the vodka and one with the gin. I have to say, I think for this one, I think I preferred it with the vodka because I think my gin was too floral. Um, okay. I think you're going to need a real, and I don't want to say basic because it's, there's nothing wrong with, uh, kind of just a dry gin. If I had, uh, to do it again, this might be good with like a very, uh, kind of well, like a Seagram's gin. I mean, you don't have to do anything super special with it because you really mm-hmm. want that grand Meunier to shine through. And right. my, I think mine was just a little too floral. And so yeah. it didn't work as well as kind of muddied it up a little bit. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. So you can, uh, you can take your crack at it with vodka or gin, uh, or both, uh, you know, which is, uh, what we do around, uh, drink the movies, uh, town here. So now that we have these made Michaela, we need to take our flying horse cocktail. We need to go talk about flying horses and we need to take a break so we can come back and get into this week's film. Nope. Spoiler warning for Nope. If you've not yet seen this flying horse thriller, you should stop what you're doing. You should go make yourself a flying horse and then uh, you should come back and we should chat about it, but we're going to totally chat about it. So if you've not yet seen Nope, uh, it just came out 
if we're definitely going to talk about the end. So mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> spoiler yeah, so. warning. This is a true spoiler warning. <laughs> that's, that, that's right. It is a, it is a spoiler warning, um, but maybe you could listen to this too. Maybe that'll help give you some context for when you go to see it. Or um, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Maybe we won't make any sense and uh, we will uh, just further muddy the waters here for Nope. But yeah, this was just released on July the 22nd, 2022. It was directed by Jordan Peele. Uh, this is his uh, third foray uh, into the uh, box office here, and it stars Daniel Kaluuya uh, again back together. He's starring uh, O.J. Haywood. Uh, his sister is played by Kiki Palmer, uh, Emerald Haywood. And then we have Stephen Yoon uh, is playing Ricky Juke Park, and we have a couple other characters we're going to be talking about as we get into these. But uh, as I said, Michaela, third foray for Jordan Peele. Uh, he had Get Out and Us. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you think about Jordan Peele? Uh, you know, he, he hit us all over the head with that first film, uh, probably going to go down as one of the great films of all time probably um yeah. in the history books um and then and then us but what are your kind of general thoughts on Jordan Peele as we get this thing kicked off yeah i love him i think everything he touches he has a really great eye for like thrillers that touch on you know just things that are in t- like in terms of today quite scary but also he's got these really great social undertones Um, I thought Get Out was truly a work of art. For anybody that's not seen it, you should see it. It was, I think, the only horror film that has been nominated for Best Picture in the history of film. Um, Mm -hmm. It And for a reason, um, it is so good. And um, Us, I really loved. I mean, he's got this really twisted sense of like, he really knows what scares people. And he really knows what um the way to film a scene to make it even more scary that Mm -hmm. you know you've seen scenes where it's like oh we think there's a ghost or oh there's someone in the house and we've seen that done a hundred times and yet he does it in such a way where we're still like our our you know our breath is caught up in our throats and we you know i screamed a couple times watching this this uh nope um, but he continues to do it. So pretty much anything yeah. he touches, I, I go and watch. And I find that I also learn from uh, a little bit about myself and it helps me change my paradigm because some of his, uh, some of the things that he does show us are kind of social experiments or things like that, that are mm-hmm. interesting to think about. So, yeah. And he's, he certainly, it's, it's very kind of a change of pace from, you know, your, uh, more standard horror stories because he's such a good writer, right? So he won the Academy Award for uh, Best Original Screenplay for uh, Get Out. And then he has this, you know, kind of great eye for telling the story. And it's kind of insane that uh, he's already so accomplished just uh, three films in. Um, but uh, with that in mind, Michaela, uh, we had some expectations for this movie going into it. You know, we'd been seeing the trailer now uh, kind of off and on over this past year, um, you know, just we were just we were just waiting for it to hit the theater so we could go see it. Uh, we were both very excited for it. Uh, it looked creepy. You don't really get a good feeling for what was going on um, in this big kind of bombastic uh, barrage of sound that's coming through on the trailer. You get the little inflatable wavy guys. You're like this. This looks bad and scary, but I don't really know much about it. So I guess what were your expectations? You know, last night when we when the uh, <laughs> the trailers ended and this came up, what were your expectations for it? Um, I was a little terrified, actually, because I saw Get Out in the comfort of my own home. I didn't Mm -hmm. make it out to see it in the theaters. Um, The same with Us, because I thought that it was going to be too scary for me to watch in a theater. And we really wanted to really wanted to do a podcast on this film. So we went to the theater to see this. And I do remember telling you, I'm sorry if I scream, because I mm-hmm. knew for sure there was going to be a moment of abject terror because Jordan Peele does that. And and it's a different fear than like a slash him up scary fear. Um, so, yeah, I was excited. Um, and boy, that opening scene does not disappoint. It's terrifying. 
<laughs> yeah, it it, le- it leans right into the uh, into the creepy, and you should expect no less. So, uh, yes, and as Michaela said, uh, there were a couple of screams. I think I think you had you uh, screaming uh, twice down in the official ticker uh, last night. But uh, yeah, we'll probably we'll probably hit those parts as we go through it. Um, and like you said, it gets started off, uh, you know, pretty creepy right away. Um, you're on like this uh, TV show set. There is this chimpanzee moving around. He's uh, covered in blood. You know that something bad has happened, and then it just ends with this super eerie. Uh, creepy as he's staring uh, directly in the camera right at uh, you, the viewer, like straight into your soul. Uh, it's pretty horrifying. Uh, you don't know what's going on. There's a shoe standing straight upright on the stage. Uh, and then it cuts to, I, I guess, uh, supposedly kind of present day more or less um and you get the you get kind of that horse uh riding with the uh rider on it that you've seen in the trailer uh you get a a biblical verse i will cast abominable filth upon you make you vile and make you a spectacle and we are on to the haywood uh horse ranch the hollywood horse ranch that's right and we meet our main characters uh you have uh, as you say daniel kaluuya as oj haywood and he is uh, works with his father on this ranch. Mm-hmm. Um, his father is amazing. Yeah, he's played by uh, Keith right. David. Is playing Keith his David. Uh, his father Otis. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love that guy. So I, I hadn't seen. Gosh, I hadn't seen him in a little while. So I was glad to see him. But they're working on this ranch that is also uh, they train horses, and so they're train horses for the Hollywood. For the Hollywood movies, right? So mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. they're out on their ranch kind of, there's these really eerie scenes of what it takes to actually run a horse ranch in this way and the way that they have their horses in the arena and they have these sprinkler systems that make sure that the water, that the ground that the horses are running on is damp enough so that it doesn't kick up all the dust and all of these really interesting shots at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And they're just kind of hanging out when they hear this really strange sound and it it's coming from the sky, but they can't see anything in the sky. And it, it it's, it's very weird. And then all of a sudden, like little, it, it, like these invisible pelts kind of come down mm-hmm. and you don't know what any of it is, but uh, OJ is looking around. He's, his dad is kind of out on the, on top of a, a horse named Lucky, I think. And um, all of a sudden you see his dad kind of slump over and you're like, oh no, something happened. And apparently one of these things that fell out of the sky hit him in the head. And yeah. I don't know if you know how gravity works. There's a reason why at like the top of the Empire State Building, you're not allowed to throw things off of the top because when they get to the bottom of the earth or you know the surface of the earth they're going really fast and they're kind of like bullets then no matter what you're throwing so he yeah. uh poor OJ tries his best to get his dad to a hospital um but it's it's pretty un it's unsuccessful yeah it's it's a uh, it's really kind of eerie because yeah all this stuff's falling from the sky you don't know what it is but you can you can kind of hear it it's you know it, it sounds just like when the rain starts and you kind of hear the hear the drops starting to hit the surface and you see that you'll see like, like little clouds of uh dirt and stuff kind of kicking up and then yeah you see obviously something hits him as he falls off of the horse um and you don't find out then until after the hospital kind of what that is you see oj he's driving uh back home uh, in the truck he looks over and there's kind of this uh this blood covered uh is a nickel i think um and this yeah bag on the seat and then he gets back he sees the horse and there's like a key that had gotten lodged into the uh kind of the hind quarter of of the horse there so it's just all of this metal bits that are just falling from the sky and you are like what is going on i don't understand this at all that seems that seems real bad we should probably get out of there uh but uh we're not going to get out of there because now your your father has died you're now in charge of this uh horse ranch so what are you going to do uh, you're going to go out and uh, try to find some work. So you're headed right. back out to uh, Hollywood to uh, take your horse for, I don't, I don't know what they're shooting. I don't, they didn't really get into the specifics of it. It was a commercial or something, but uh, we've got Lucky the horse on set. That's right. And, you know, I feel for OJ because he's, he's quiet he's a quiet gentleman and he's looking around for his sister. His sister M uh, is supposed to be there and she's never there when he needs her to be there throughout Mm -hmm. most of this film. He's like, where is she? And people are talking to him and he's like, yeah, my, my sister is going to be here to handle this piece. And they have to do a safety moment, which, um, and all that means is, you know, 
yeah, you talk about, Hey, here are the do's and do nots around this animal because it's a horse and it can hurt you. Um, even, you know, and M finally shows up and she she does have the safety moment, but not before she lists all the other things that she does. Like she's an actress and she's a singer and she's a dancer and she can uh, ride motorcycles and she's a stunt person and she's a seamstress and she does all these things. And that really uh, gets under OJ's skin because he's like, we're trying to work on dad's business and you've got all the side hustle. And, uh, but you know, they don't really listen. These film crews, they kind of do whatever the heck they want, which is really uh, unfortunate. And so there's this weird mirror. that's <laughs> like a ball, uh, a mirror ball thing that they put up in front of the horse's face. Don't know why they do that. That seems like a real bad idea. And I'm not even a horse person, but of yeah. course the horse gets scared and ends up kind of kicking up and someone gets hurt. Now they're not really badly hurt, but either way, the director is uh, not thrilled with this and basically tells OJ, you know, this is not your time. You, you know, this is not, this is just not a good fit. Yeah. And so, you know, he's pretty dejected. And the only person that seems kind of fascinated by this whole thing is the film, the actual cinematographer, mm-hmm. um, who is amazing. And we see more of him later, but he's got this really raspy voice. And so the whole time he's like, go ahead and, <laughs> Get the horse on the stair. Are we ready to go? Are yeah. we ready to shoot? He has a very he has a very cool raspy voice. He has a very cool name. His name is Antlers Holst. Um, he's played by Michael Wincott. And yeah, he's kind of this uh this super famous uh cinematographer, right? He can he can get all of these impossible shots, and we'll see him a couple of times as we uh, kind of talk to him on the phone before he ends up coming back to the to the ranch later in the film where he's just watching all of like this like uh nature like footage like national geographic stuff that presumably he probably shot and all this uh all this crazy stuff but yeah they're there they leave the film set um what are you going to do the horse farm is struggling but we are headed to jupiter's claim it's some sort of like little like family like carnival kind of thing out in the desert uh they've got little rides little little attractions to go to and it is ran uh by ricky juke park uh steven yun uh plays him uh very excellent very excellent and we learn that oj is being you know he's having to kind of sell these horses off uh to this park because uh you know they can't they can't afford to keep all these horses he's not been getting work his dad has uh you know passed away in that uh tragic accident early in the in the film there um so he's selling them he's trying to trying to maybe strike a deal uh with Ricky to be able to buy these horses back eventually he wants to kind of put that plan into place um yeah. we get uh we get kind of that exchange you mentioned with his sister there with with Emerald how you know she has all these side hustles and she tells him very quickly she's like she's like no bro this is this is my side hustle you know this family farm that's that's the side hustle because I don't really care about the family farm dad never taught me anything about it I was never involved in it so you know I'm gonna I'll come back and help you but this is this is the side gig I you know I'm I'm doing all the, this other uh, rich and famous stuff that's that's my yeah. main gig um, but yeah, they're they're there. He's trying to trying to strike this deal uh, with Ricky, and then uh, we learn a little bit more about the events of the the opening scene there on that film film set on Gordy's home. Uh, so we're catching back up with the chimpanzee uh, because uh, Ricky was one of the actors on that set. Yeah, so he was young. He he was a um... Like, a, yeah, I, he was, I don't know, maybe 12, maybe 12. And mm-hmm. the scene, he he's making light of it as he's talking about how he was there. And they've done like an SNL skit, which sounds uh, pretty, pretty beyond the pale, even for SNL. Um, <laughs> that because basically what happens is it's a birthday party, they're filming, and um, it's a real chimpanzee. Um, chimpanzees are very cute, but they are also incredibly dangerous. And they open up this box of balloons and the balloons kind of go up to the top of the soundstage and one of them pops and it really startles um, one of the chimps that was playing Gordy. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this chimpanzee loses their mind and um, ends up killing. You don't know. I I don't know if anybody died, but definitely looks like they died. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's not super bloody, but it's bloody enough. Um, And this poor kid... Uh, Ricky is hiding um, underneath this table, um, watching you know his co-stars basically get torn to shreds by this chimpanzee. It's really awful, and mm-hmm. apparently you know as Jacob is uh, 
I'm sorry, as Ricky is relaying this as an adult, he's like, oh, I got this secret room where he's got all of these props and things from that day. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's a couple of flashbacks where you see him kind of with blood spatter on his face, terrified underneath this table, um, trying not to draw any attention from this chimp that is like doing awful things to other people around him. And uh, there you see the shoe and he's like, Oh, I saved the shoe. It was standing straight up and it was so weird the way that it did that. And um, it was just very strange, but he's decided uh, this, this guy Jupe has decided to buy this old ghost town. And you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like the Goldfield ghost town or the gold King mine and ghost town. They have them in like Arizona these mm-hmm. old ghost towns that they've rejuvenated to make some money. Um, yeah. You go there and they've got like a place where you can take like old timey photos and they have like rides, like you said, but they've got this really cool picture, um, old picture taking thing where it looks like you, you can look down in this mine and it takes a picture as you're looking up, um, mm-hmm. as yeah. you're looking down in it. So it's, it, it, it has this really cool like dark circle and in the inside you you can see as if you're looking down the shaft to see if you're going to help Timmy down in a well or something. It's really kind of neat. Um, but it's super creepy because Jupiter, um, he's got something up his sleeve and you know that then, because you know, he's obviously quite traumatized, um, and not quite right, but he is very interested in buying not only horses from OJ, but he also asks if, you know, OJ would be interested in selling his ranch, which is, you know, kind of next door to this mm-hmm. fun yeah, town door, in the middle of the- nowhere. <laughs> yeah, it, it, exactly, exactly. And yeah, it, it it is super, it's very creepy. It's very off-putting because we see Jupe, you know, in that flashback where, you know, he's seeing, um, it kind of ends with that that chimpanzee just staring straight into the camera and then it, it goes on from there where he's uh going up to uh young jupe who's hiding under the table and you know the the police or animal handlers or whatever come in and and uh shoot him so and he's he's talking about it you know almost you know he's not he's not talking about like the trauma that it caused him he's talking about how there, there was a saturday night live skit and he has all this stuff and all these people want to want to come and see it like he's kind of capitalizing off of his own uh trauma kind of there and then yeah he wants to he wants to buy the buy the farm and you don't really understand understand quite why and of course oj doesn't want to sell the farm that's the family farm uh so that's where we are going back to we're back at the family farm they're uh hanging out you know emerald's like can we go in we should just can we just party can you calm down just just relax oj can we we'll just we'll catch up we'll have some drinks i will put on some records we'll have a good time so that's kind of what they're doing they're they're sitting there uh listening to some tunes having having some uh brother sister time talking about some stuff and then you know the power kind of starts to flicker uh which doesn't seem good it seems pretty bad if you're out in the middle of nowhere and that power uh surge starts to happen go outside and uh you know yeah you see something you probably don't want to see when you're out in the middle of nowhere by yourself and that is a big Big, scary something or other uh up in the sky coming in uh just uh you know uh, taking whatever it wants right off of your farm yeah taking whatever it wants including a horse takes an Inc- entire horse including a horse uh yeah, i believe by horse- the name of goat i believe by the name of ghost we get kind of little like chapter introductions as we go through the film uh, it sh- uh shows that you know kind of straight up on the on the screen we have ghost and then uh yeah we're kind of into this section here where the where the uh unknown being from the sky is uh taking the horse yeah and, you know, OJ, he's at first incredibly freaked out, and so is his sister. But then they come up with the idea that, hey, you know, they can make some money off of this. People want to see this. You know, uh, it's no secret that uh, I guess UFOs are a real thing now because, like, I don't know, four years ago, the government released, the U.S. government released footage that you can't really see of something that they can't, they have no idea what it is. Mm-hmm, and so... Mm-hmm. You know, we we think UFOs are probably real. I think most people think that, but no one has really captured it on film in in a way that um that is the in, way that in they a very want satisfying it, right? way. In yeah, a very, not a very satisfying, satisfying way, way, right? Yeah, it's kind of like Sasquatch. You know, you you you, you just need more. So right. they come up with this great idea. They're like, all right, we're gonna go get some uh, some cameras. We're gonna we're gonna set them up in various places on the ranch. Um, and we're going to get real amazing footage. It's going to be awesome. We're going to make a ton of money. You know, M's really excited. It's the only thing she likes about this ranch <laughs> so mm-hmm. far in this film. So they go do that. Now, where do they go to do that? 
they go to Fry's Electronics, where you go. Yep. Um, do, have you As ever you been do. to a Fry's? Have you? Ever? I have. I have not been to a Fry's. Um, I think they were. I think they were uh, started out in California. I don't know that they ever made it quite this far, far east. I don't recall ever seeing one uh, out over this way. Um, and I think that. Um, I don't know what the exact time period is supposed to have been for this because I know we see OJ and he's using like his cell phone, but it's like an older, like one of those Nokia flip phones. So I don't know if that was intentional, if it was supposed to have been like dated a little bit, or if that was just to kind of make it, make the story kind of feel more timeless, you know, as you know, we get 20 years from this, you know, it's not, you know, rooted in uh, super technology, but yeah, they go to Fry's. They say, we need some security cameras. Uh, they're talking to a guy there who's going to, get them all set up his name is angel torres he's played by uh brandon perea he's he's really great uh he goes out to the farm and starts setting up these cameras and yeah he's the one telling them you know all the government declassified all this stuff you know aliens are real we really want to get some some good shots of this and he offers he's like he's like if you want i can totally you know watch these cameras too for you guys uh you know he just he wants in on this action i think a little bit and you know they want to they want to try to capture you know this ufo or whatever this mm -hmm. thing is up in the sky yeah yeah it, it, I think it definitely uh, is supposed to have this older, tiny feel. Fry's Electronics went out of business uh, about a year and a half ago, um, but I've actually been in one, and oh, okay. uh, it, it, it was very nostalgic to me when I saw it on the screen because we had one in Houston, and if you really needed help, if you really didn't understand how computers worked or you needed a home theater setup, it was like Best Buy on steroids. It was way better in my opinion. Um, you had people that really knew what they were doing. Um, it was awesome. So I'm so glad that they, that Jordan Peele used this choice, um, mm -hmm. because it really did show this guy angel was like, I, you're never going to be able to set these up. I will set them up for you. And of course he is a total like UFO conspiracy theorist. So he's very excited because he understands while he's setting these things up, he's like, ah, I know what you're going to do. This is going to be amazing. And so he goes back. And of course, because he's some sort of um, computer hacking genius when it comes to cameras, he can look at the footage uh, in a closed circuit kind of way uh, mm -hmm. from his job at the electronic store. And so they, you know, uh, it's the next day, it's the next evening, they're setting up and, um, you know, they, they decide that they're going to try and put a horse out, but they don't want to use a real horse. So what does M do? She goes and steals like this fake yeah, metal like this, horse from, this. from Jupiter's gold mine town down the road. <laughs> and, yeah, that's right. Yeah, she steals the uh, the horse statue from uh, Jupiter's. Uh, we get the next uh, kind of section here of the film. It's uh, titled Clover. Um, as uh, she goes out, she puts it out there, and it has kind of this uh, long, like like pennant uh, banner stringer kind of thing attached to it. And yeah, it's out there in the uh, middle of the field. They're watching it. Um, unfortunately, a uh, some sort of bug, like a praying mantis, I think, gets onto the camera. Uh, so the view of you know, our uh, alien uh, craft is obscured, but, uh, you know, kind of uh, end result is this thing comes down, it takes the uh, the fake horse, uh, it uh, swallows it up, um, it actually looks really cool then, because you'll see that kind of flagged, uh, you know, trailing thing kind of like hanging out of this cloud looking thing as you go through the night. Uh, OJ ends up like in his truck overnight, uh, you know, uh, you get him saying nope, you actually get all the characters uh, saying nope, I think at some point um, in this, which is which is pretty great. And it's funny every time they do it, because it's exactly what you're saying. Um, he's in the car, he like locks the door. Uh, but you know, uh, this uh, this monster UFO alien uh, being creature thing, yeah, it doesn't want a fake horse. It wants a real horse, so it spits out that fake horse. Uh, and this prompted one of the screams from Michaela because that horse comes crashing right down through the front windshield of that car, right next to OJ. Uh, not not a good look. Not a good look. What are we going to do? Not a good look. Uh, this horse had uh, this like banner of flags you know, multicolored flags that was attached to it. That doesn't mm -hmm. seem to be attached anymore to the horse. Um, but it's terrifying. It's covered in weird blood looking things, but it's a metal horse. So you're like, where did the blood come from? Oh my God. It's so awful. Um, and poor OJ, he can't see anything. He, he doesn't want to get out of the car because he doesn't want to, you know, piss off the giant thing in the air that, that can eat things. So he just stays in that uh 
car that's half maimed and falls asleep. And then the next day they feel more comfortable getting out of the car and, and M comes out of the house and is like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Um, she comes up with this idea. She says, hey, you know, we really, I wonder if we can, we, we can go ask that guy with the amazing name. Antlers uh, Holst. Antlers, yeah, who the cinematographer. Like the best name ever. Good on you, Jordan Peele. Whoever came with up with that name is amazing. But they go to they call him up and they're like, hey, we've got this UFO thing we're trying to trying to do. And he's like, nah, man, I'm not, I'm not interested. You guys got no man, I'm not interested. You got the wrong guy. <laughs> you know, as he's watching really strange videos of like a, a boa constrictor and a tiger eating each other, it's real strange mm. yeah. um, and gross. But, you know, it's another day. And so Angel's like, hey, you know, Rain's going to come. It looks like uh, he comes back and he's like, hey, I, I'm going to help cover these cameras up. We're going to make sure and keep the bugs off this time. There's another night. We got to figure it out. And um, they realize or they remember that they've been invited to by, you know, Jupiter to go to this new show that he's been talking about. Yeah. And the star lasso experience. It's called. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know why they're calling it that it's, it's, it's because he is going to be lassoing the star. He is, uh, he thinks he knows how to, uh, get this, uh, thing to come in this, this big UFO monster thing. Uh, he thinks he can turn that basically into his own sideshow attraction. Uh, yeah. and that's, that's what, that's what we're going to, going to see. That's what we're going to go see. If that can happen. Yeah, so OJ and M do not make it uh, to this experience, but we do watch it, and he's very excited. His wife is there. His three kids are there. Now, these we should talk about these three kids. So Jupe knows that that they stole, that M and OJ stole this giant metal horse, and so mm -hmm. he lets his kids, like, sneak into the ranch and pretend to be aliens, yeah. Um and that is one of the most terrifying moments because they do the, a really good job because they're children, they're small, they've got these really amazing UFO like hats and uh, face coverings on. Mm -hmm. um, it's awful. It's a very scary moment. I'm surprised I didn't scream. Maybe that was the second time I screamed. I, I don't. I know. think that. I think that was the. Uh, I think that was. I think that was the first scream. Actually, I think the the kids are, <laughs> there, are there before the before the horse crashes in. So it was. Yeah, I it was a whole I think lot that of note. Garnered a scream. That was a whole lot of nope. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. And you're saying that when you're watching these little kids, and it is pretty terrifying. And it's also terrifying because, uh, you know, Jupe is there uh, for the Star Lasso experience. He's, you know, trying to hype up the crowd. You know, there's, I don't know, uh, 20 people there. I guess is about, you know, as good of a turnout as you'd get for one of these little like ghost town uh, roadside attraction kind of things. And he's there. There's this big sheet covering something. You don't know exactly what it is. And finally, he pulls it off, and you see uh, Lucky the horse there uh, in this glass box. And it is, I, I don't know, it's so unsettling seeing seeing the horse there in in that glass box. And you know like exactly what he's trying to accomplish with this. Uh, it flashes over. You get um, you get the the lady with kind of the maimed face, um, which uh, is one of the co-stars from the show he was in as a as a child. You know, he, he says something, you know, offhand about how, you know, that was his his first crush or, you know, his girlfriend from from way back there. So, you know, so she's there to to kind of witness him basically trying to do the same thing that the people from the TV show are doing, you know, trying to harness this uh, wild animal uh, to bad repercussions because, uh, you know, our, our UFO monster in the sky, it wants that horse, but, you know, it doesn't want to be tormented by having this horse in a glass, glass cage. Uh, so it's going to eat whatever it wants, whatever it wants from the star lasso experience. This is not the experience you were hoping for, for sure. No, absolutely not. So of course, you know, he opens the door and the horse is like, I'm not moving. Like, Screw you, man. I'm not moving. Yeah, the, I'm not getting out the, of this box. <laughs> the, the, the horse says nope is what Yeah, it the is. horse is like, nope, not, not, not today. But everyone else is like looking up, looking around, and then it comes out of the sky and you see all these, you know, the kids, his three kids are looking up, his wife's looking up, all of the viewers are, you know, kind of shading their eyes to try and see it better. You see this really creepy moment where his co-star who looks not great um i don't know she's missing like her lips i don't know it's really off-putting and you feel awful but she's like covered she's got this weird hat and like a veil on so that she looks less mm -hmm. bad but then the veil flips up and you can see her as she's like 
it looks like she's smiling, but she's not smiling because she doesn't have a face. Anyway, she's looking up. They're all looking up at this thing. And then, of course, it opens its mouth. It there's this big circle thing in the middle mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of the UFO looking thing and sucks them all up. And you're immediately terrified and scared. And like they go up inside this thing. They don't. It looks like they're in some weird like rubber sheet factory they're covered Mm -hmm. with weird rubberness and they're like all stuck up together and this woman is like trying to find something to look at and reach onto and of course she finds the head of a horse and and she's like in the innards of this alien thing and it's totally terrifying and it's totally scary and it's basically he's you know you feel like jupe tried to recreate a moment from his past maybe where he mm-hmm. was like, I'm gonna, I'm going to train this thing the way that in Gordy's home the chimpanzee was trained. But he should have known that, you know, when things go bad, they can go very, very bad. And in this case, it's not that you don't have a face anymore, it's that everybody is dead. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Everyone is dead. And, uh, you know, the the monster uh, UFO thing apparently got its fill because it goes back over uh, top of the uh, Haywood Ranch. Uh, this is probably the grossest thing because you start hearing like this, uh, like raindrops hitting hitting the, the houses were inside of it. And then you, uh, you know, it pans over to the window and you see that the the raindrops are indeed blood. And then the house just gets like completely covered in blood, which is which is really disgusting. I guess, it, you know, our uh, UFO monster alien thing cannot eat that many people all in one sitting. It's, uh, you know, it's going to get an upset stomach as you do as you do uh but we're we're still on our path you know emerald still really wants to get this thing on film uh, she keeps talking about how you know she needs to get some footage that's worthy of getting her on oprah uh that is her ultimate goal uh oj i guess is just kind of along for the ride i don't i don't know uh one of the things about oj he never really like objects to any of this stuff that they're doing but he never really seems like <laughs> like it's a good idea but he doesn't seem to say that no we shouldn't be doing this um so they they decide to put together a plan this is kind of their last crack at it uh they think they know maybe how they can do it they have gotten they've gotten through to our uh, cinematographer uh, antlers he's come in he makes this uh, homemade like imax camera kind of thing with this crank so it doesn't use electricity because uh, they've kind of worked out that the electricity kind of kind of surges maybe that's what the monster is attracted to um, or at least when the monster is close by it it surges all of the electricity uh, which is bad so they kind of set up this this minefield of those little inflatable wavy guys throughout the whole ranch it looks super creepy um, but also kind of cool um, and very vast on the on the giant uh, IMAX screen that we're watching it on. And uh, they're kind of using that as like a, I don't know, like a radar for this thing. So you can kind of see like them going off and on as this thing is flying overhead. But they they think that they can they can lure it out. They can finally get the good footage of it, uh, you know, and that, that'll be that, I guess. Um, it's it's all just kind of, you know, trying to capitalize on this on this crazy craziness uh, that's going on. And, and this is their their last best crack at it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and and as they're doing this, and like they're shooting, you know, angels there to help kind of reload this this film camera because it's really cool. But it's you know, uh, antlers, uh, antlers is like, oh yeah, I made this from my, I, I made it myself from like you know duct tape and a couple pieces of glass. It's gonna be fine, you know. It's super cool, and of course. Um, yep. M is like, this is amazing. It's going to be awesome. And so they've got this plan. They've got these, these men, you know, these flag men things, these airmen things all over the valley and they're yep. looking. And mm-hmm. then of course, something has to come and mess it up. And what messes it up? The press, because now <laughs> it's been a day and all of these people are missing, right? You got like 40 mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. that were over at Jupiter's claim going to see a show. And now they're, you know, a, a cream stain all over the the, the house <laughs> on, on the, the ranch next door. And That's unfortunately, right. um, no one knows where they are. And so, of course, people are starting to... Uh, go out and investigate. And so some TMZ reporter uh, played by Devin Gray, you actually never see him because he's on a motorcycle. He's He's wearing like a, like a silver, like mirrored, like daft punk helmet. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) At first, that's who I thought it was. I was like, yeah, no, I was going to start dancing, but no, um, he's like, you're you're not getting lucky tonight. You're not getting lucky tonight, dude. You're going to, you're going to die. And so he is riding around and he's got a camera 
and you know he's on an electric uh on an electric device right and anytime electric, you yeah electric motorcycle him, yeah anytime you go near uh this this alien thing everything stops working and so what happens of course he gets thrown from his motorcycle it looks pretty bad he's just laying there but instead of being like call 911 get me help uh let me where are my feet like any any of those things he's like get it on camera just somebody pick up the camera and get it on camera get this on camera and it ends up being the death of him because uh the weird alien thing comes down and eats him. Yeah, sucks that's right. Yeah. Right on up. Sucks him right on up. Yeah. And they're trying to get uh, the footage of this thing. Um, and, you know, as you might imagine, that doesn't really go well for, for anyone. Uh, Emerald, you know, is eventually kind of having to uh, be chased out of there. She gets up onto the uh, electric motorcycle and is able to escape. Uh, we have OJ who is on horseback, uh, which is actually really cool to see Daniel Kaluuya like on the on horseback in this uh, orange uh, sweatshirt kind of riding, riding through, uh, you know, very much uh, cowboy style riding around the ranch. Um, our our uh, filmmakers uh, do not fare quite as well uh, as we go through this section but uh luckily uh the haywoods are able to make it out and uh emerald finally makes it over she makes it over to the uh to the ghost town to the ghost town ranch right she makes it yeah. back over to uh, jupiter's claim uh and she you know kind of kind of works her way it looks like it might be the end of her um but she has she has one last trick up her sleeve and it involves that that super cool uh well camera thing right yeah yeah, so she, well, first I think she is actually trying to kill it, uh, kill this alien thing. And so she she gets an idea. There's this ginormous uh, helium balloon that looks like a, like a, a cowboy. Macy's, yeah, like a, like a Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade balloon. Yeah, yeah, it is enormous. And it looks like little Ricky with his... Um, you know, with like a gun and like a, he's got like, it's like the buddy Christ, only it's a cowboy. So it's like yep. got a gun on one hand and like I said a it thumbs was up like on the, the other. I said it was like the freshest big boy, but Michaela oh. said she didn't know what that was. So let me know uh, in the comments <laughs> or, you know, send us a message if it looked like the freshest big boy. So I don't feel like I'm going crazy. So no, no, you're right. No, I totally, I see it. I see it. But it's, she lets that go and lets it fly up in the air. And then she picks up a bunch of quarters on the ground. Cause remember that's one of the things that we realize is that this alien thing can't process anything metal. And so mm -hmm. as it's bleed, you know, as it's vomiting blood all over this, um, this ranch house, it's also vomiting all of the, um, coins and keys. And that's what happened to, uh, their poor father is that this thing had been around and we just hadn't known it right for mm -hmm. a yeah. while. And so she picks up all these quarters that are now on the ground and she's using them one at a time to take this and these analog photos in this well picture thing, photo, photo thing. And every time, of course, it's like a Polaroid. So it comes out and you can see it kind of develop almost instantly. And mm -hmm. she's trying to get a picture of it. She's trying to get a picture of it. She's trying to get a picture of it. And of course, man, that Fish's big boy, <laughs> buddy Christ, <laughs> yeah, looking cowboy balloon Thanksgiving Day float thing ends up getting eaten by the uh, the big alien looking thing, which now it looks yeah. like a flying saucer. Now I don't know why it changed mid mid movie, but it it became it looked very much like a jellyfish. Yeah, it kind of it kind of unfurled. Yeah, it was kind of like this angelic uh, jellyfish kind of a thing, um, and. It, yeah, I don't I don't really know what prompted it to change. I think that um, for me, kind of the takeaway that I had was you you spend the majority of the movie thinking that this is like a UFO, like these are aliens and they're just coming and abducting things. And I think at some point it kind of makes makes the switch where, no, this isn't a, a UFO. It's actually just a big, scary uh, monster that's flying around in the sky like this is like a, a living being uh, and you keep uh, poking and prodding at it. And now it's agitated. <laughs> Yeah. So it, it takes its, it, it takes its, it takes its final form as this jellyfish thing, and yeah, it eats the uh, the big uh, helium balloon that does not go very well. It seems to uh, uh, kill the thing. So uh, I guess problem problem solved. I don't I don't know. I mean, I I suppose um, there's a really great scene at the end though, where M kind of you know she's excited that it's dead. Um, you know, it's a close up on, on her face. He does that so well. All of Jordan Peele's film has has these close ups of 
people who have either just experienced a lot of trauma or they're about to experience trauma and they're they're their close-ups are just beautiful. And, mm -hmm. um, but she sees OJ outside the park. Um, he's now on, on the horse, uh, on one of the horses called Jean Jacket. And, um, oh, Jean, ja Jean Jacket was the name of the, uh, of the alien of the monster. Was it? Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. They, yeah, there's a lot of code names. I, I don't know. They're sitting on a horse. He's sitting on a yep. horse, but he's, he's looking, you know, he's, he's got this orange, uh, crew shirt on from when they were in, yeah, I don't remember. What he went. Was to, it? I don't remember. He went to. Uh, he went to a movie set with his dad. It was the same movie, but now I'm drawing a blank on what movie it was. So, yeah, it was. It was cool though. But it's like bright orange, and so he's there, and and they're 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 brother and sister saving. They've saved the ranch. They're gonna have to whitewash and repaint that whole house, but yeah. that's okay. That's yeah, the, right. eventually yeah the police are going to turn up and be like why is your house covered in blood that seems bad but yeah for now uh problem solved i don't know i don't think they ever really got their their good footage but uh uh emerald did get a good a pretty good photo of it i guess in there so uh that's that's kind of where it ends you don't know how it's going to resolve if the horse ranch is going to going to keep going if emerald is going to try to uh take this photograph and make a name for herself and uh i don't i don't know that's kind of kind of not the point right i guess it's it's more uh you know <laughs> where these people are and and what they were doing and in, in pursuit of kind of fame and and glory and not you know <laughs> you know we go from jordan peele's first film which is uh get out where the uh protagonist is very much like this this is wrong i i should leave to you know to this one where they're like this is wrong let's see if we can uh capitalize on it um and and that's that's kind of it and that's kind of the kind of the lesson we take away from it so uh michaela we kind of ran through the uh the story here a little bit we talked a little bit about our expectations going into it um Let's talk a little bit about kind of the, you know, kind of the individual components here. So we have Daniel Kluya back, uh, fresh off of his Oscar win last year for uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, uh, his second go around with uh, Mr. Peel uh, in a film. What do we, what do you think about uh, Daniel Kluya as uh, OJ here, our uh, protagonist? I guess I get, we should say. I guess totally, totally. And I loved him. I thought he was really understated, um, which is hard to do as an actor. I think that. Mm -hmm. He's and he's done that very he did that very well, because, as you say, it's not like he's coming up with these ideas, but he's going along with the ideas. But he has these really great one liners. He doesn't there's not a ton of dialogue that he gives um, mm -hmm. just an overall kind of presence. It's um, really good. I really liked him in it. Um, but pretty much everything he's in lately. I mean, I, I just I'm fascinated by yeah, he's um, he's super brilliant. And yeah, really, really understated, doesn't have a ton of dialogue. You know who he reminds me of um, in the Hollywood spectrum in that way uh, is Tom Hanks when Tom Hanks is doing something introspective and he just can he can convey so much in his facial expressions and the way that his eyes can look in a scene and, you know, like mm -hmm. exactly what he's feeling and what he's trying to convey. Um, I get a lot of those those same vibes and obviously, uh, you know, both brilliant. But yeah, very, very understated. I really liked his uh, performance here. Yeah, for sure. And Kiki Palmer, I mean, I hadn't seen her. She was in Aquila and the Bee. I think that was one of the first films that she uh, that she did. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a while ago. I loved this character that she plays. She's it's super fun. Um, and she's also you really they, they have a good chemistry of kind of brother and sister where mm -hmm. he, he kind of puts up with her. And, you know, she, but she, she they understand each other well. And so right. even at the end, you know, there's this scene and they talk about it where when she was young, she was like, hey, I don't care about this ranch the way that you do. You know, dad was supposed to teach me how to train this horse and he doesn't even ask me when it's it's time for it's my birthday and it's time to for me to train the horse. He asks you. And of course, the brother could see that she was disappointed. And there's that kind of scene they they go over and they kind of re enact the same thing at the end where he is looking at her and he's like, I got my eye on you. Like, I see, I see you, I see what you're trying to do. It's okay. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. they do that really well. Um, but they're also, I, I feel like, so they're close enough and I, I don't have a, a, a sibling that I grew up with and lived with. So I, I think that they do that very well. It's very believable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I really liked her kind of take on that. You get obviously you get the good introduction where she's uh, going through the spiel there when they're on the uh, Hollywood set that you see from the from the trailer there. And that's excellent. And it, yeah, she just has kind of this uh, this vibrancy about her, um, you know, and still just 
you know, she talks about it, you know, that this was, this was her side hustle. What she really wanted to do was, was to be famous. And that was, you know, kind of the, the uh, underlying kind of thread of this. And then uh, of course we have uh, Stephen Yoon as uh, Jupe, as our, uh, our, you know, child actor turned uh, ghost town uh, owner. Um, we don't get a, you don't get a, a ton of him in here. Cause you know, he's, he's very kind of, kind of side of the story. It's really kind of trying to propel along you know our, our monster uh story more or less but he he's basically kind of in these two scenes and the one is where he's talking about his experience as the child actor um on stage with the chimpanzee um and then and then later you know on the at the at the ghost town where they're doing the uh the star lasso um experience or whatever that was called and he gives these kind of two monologues and the first one in particular where he's talking about the the childhood set it's just incredible Stephen Young just crushes it and that he's he's so so good um he's uh had an oscar nom i believe as well right for for yep. minari so yep. uh yeah just just tons of really good talent in this one uh what do you yeah. what do you think St- Stephen Young? amazing Amazing. I, I mean, and it's a great example of, the, you know, this isn't a huge part. It's a big part because there's only, you know, three or four. I mean, there's like six actors really in this whole film, but mm-hmm. um, it's a great example of taking, you know, the two key scenes and killing both of them. Because mm-hmm. you can tell in the second scene when he's in front of all these people, he's trying, he, he, he thinks that this is going to be this precipice moment where it's going to change his career that basically was marred by this horrible experience as a child. And you really believe it. I, I will say, I totally agree with you. That first scene when he's explaining what, you know, this SNL skit, rather than talking about what happened to him, Right. As a kid, he's talking about what's going on in the skit and his eyes do this amazing kind of sinking with, with his cheekbones. I don't know how he created, I don't know how hard he worked to make that expression because I've mm-hmm. never seen him do it anywhere else. It yeah, is not the same. Like, yeah, they just kind of like glaze over almost. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, it, yeah, it is not the same that I've seen him in... Uh, when he's playing, you know, the sad things that happen in Minari, it's very different. It's super, like, I don't know if he talked to children, you know, people of trauma and kind of mimicked their fate. I don't know, but it's so good. It's chilling. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it, it stole the, it stole the show that that particular monologue was just amazing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah. So the, the acting was all great. Um, and then, you know, kind of the, the filmmaking aspects of it, uh, it, this movie it looks insane um you know there there weren't a lot of actors so really kind of the atmosphere of it um and this you know cloud ufo monster uh sort of thing um you're playing a lot on that um i really liked because you know we saw this in imax it was shot in imax so it's very big and vast looking and everything's shot kind of at this not like a distance shot necessarily but kind of like a like a half distance so everything you know all the characters look a little bit smaller and the background looks a little bit bigger um it looks incredible um especially you know you mentioned kind of and and the run up in like the opening scene, just when we're on the horse farm and you're seeing like the little things, like the sprinklers go in and and they're just eerie, um, you know, and very unsettling. Which is you know kind of the the running theme through all of Jordan Peele's uh, films here is just that you know everything just feels a little bit off. You don't ever feel quite settled into the story that you're being told. And then probably the most the most kind of horror feeling bit of this movie are when the three kids are on the farm right and you're seeing them crop up and the way that he's using like things to you know block their their appearance and you know he's using like like they're kind of fuzzed out almost because it's dark and the way that they're using like light and objects to hide them um just just really great uh like some of probably the best like <laughs> visually like best and most interesting like horror elements that i've seen you know in a long time where it's not like beating you over the head that these things are scary they weren't it wasn't necessarily jump scares like it was it was just more ominous and and creepy feeling than anything i thought yeah yeah and i think the timing of this coming out of the pandemic i mean it, arguably the pandemic is still happening people but um the world is kind of moved on but when i think about this the the shots that really um, take place in the sky. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, we've spent a better part of the last couple of years inside. Right. And so really questioning and looking at the vastness of the shots and how, you know, there, there's a moment where they can't see it during the day, right. They feel a lot safer during the day, but, um, they notice that like one cloud just doesn't move. 
Mm -hmm. Um, So all these other clouds are kind of moving around this one cloud. And so, you know, I think the vastness of of that and the fact that now, you know, I'll be looking at the sky a little bit differently going forward is uh, probably was, well, maybe, maybe was part of the whole idea. Um, It's, it's, it, it just, again, it was the, the idea and the story really is crafted beautifully, but it's also shot really well. And it was actually done in, um, in California, which is great. I love it mm-hmm. when something's when when they're on set or not on set, but they're on location uh, because you really get the feel of what's happening. And mm-hmm. so that whole valley, um, you know, I wonder, I don't know how long it took them to shoot it, but it, they did a really good job, um, you know, especially kind of the shots when you're going over the ground, looking at all of the flying men things. The wavy arm like, guys, yeah. The mm-hmm. wavy arm guys and how it, your heart kind of stops when the wind stops and they stop right. moving mm-hmm. because uh, the electricity has been cut out. Oh, it's, it's yeah. good. And it's I, real good. And I don't, and I don't even know like where you would begin. Like if, uh, you know, Jordan Peele came to me and is like, Hey, I need a bunch of inflatable wavy arm guys, you know, for the next, you know, 20 miles out into the distance. I'd be like, I'm going to need a lot of extension cords uh, to get that. To extension get that cords. I'm going to have to go to every used car lot from here to Kentucky. And yeah. I'm going to have to get all of those, all of the things. And I'm going to have to use 65 million car batteries. Yeah. Exactly, I don't know exactly. how they made it happen, but they, they did yes. it. it so, so it, it looked beautiful. Um, and then uh, kind of just some some closing thoughts here. Um, I think that there were a lot of really good themes in the movie uh, coming out of the movie last night. I wasn't really sure how I felt about it. I'm not sure um, about you. I don't I don't want to speak for you. I don't know that you really understood how you felt about it because it's a lot to take in. Um, and a lot of it is very, very subtle and very layered so we were kind of talking after the movie you and i and we we're both kind of we kind of conceded that we needed to sleep on it a night and you know kind of come back to revisit and i think that an actual revisit is definitely warranted and something that i'm i'm actually you know kind of when i was you know getting some stuff together for the episode this morning and then talking uh with you about it here like i'm i'm like really jonesing to get back and and see this again uh probably not in the not too distant future now that you kind of know the story and what's happening and you can look for more of you know those layers and try to piece it together because i don't know coming out of it last night i was like i was like this feels very genius but i also feel like i don't understand it um and i i I really want to understand it i think Um, but what, what were your kind of thoughts you know coming out of our uh our theater last night well, I definitely felt like it was uh, a, an intelligent horror film, right? So, mm-hmm. which made me feel good because I love I love a good horror film. And I think that this definitely fit that bill for me. I agree with you. I think that the more you watch this, the more you're going to pick up on certain subtleties. Um, you know, we watch a lot of films. So I think that, you know, we got most of what we needed to out of it. But I definitely agree. I mean, I think with all of Jordan Peele's films, the more you watch it, the more you're going to learn from it, the more you're going to see. Um, and this is definitely no different. Um, but yeah, I definitely felt like I needed to sleep on it. Um, and, you know, I don't understand. There's a scene where, I mean, it looks like a flying saucer and then it sucks up one of the filmmakers, um, Angel. Mm-hmm. He he survives, um, but he basically wraps himself up in like plastic tarp and barbed wire Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's after that, that it kind of comes out of whatever camouflage it, where it was looking like a flying saucer. And now it looks like this jellyfish, right? Um, yeah. that was interesting. It's got this really weird, like green box for a mouth. And that mm-hmm. part was kind of weird where it looks like parachute, um, like almost like parachute material is like. Right. Yeah, coming yeah. out of this box. Yeah, it's like that like nylon, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it was really neat. Um, but it, you know, in the sky, you were like, I don't, I don't know why it why it looks this way now. Um, but it I I think now thinking about it more, it's 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 a testament to spectacle, right? We um and mm-hmm. we've needed a lot of spectacle in the last couple of years. Um and it's also a testament to kind of animals and using using animals and exploiting them and trying to control them, I think. Right. And at first I was like, why do we have this whole backstory of this chimpanzee that loses their mind and 
you know, kills and maims a bunch of people on a set. Why is that a thing? And the more I think about it, the more I'm like, this is, it was really the same story told twice because Mm -hmm. this guy Juke was like, you know, I'm going to do the same thing. And he doesn't, he didn't learn, not that it was his choice in the first place, but, you know, he didn't see the gravity of that either because he was so traumatized or, you know, whatever, um, that he was doing the same thing and that there are consequences to creating a spectacle using animals. Um, Right. And not to say that, you know, I mean, and it's, uh, they, they were very clear that no animals were harmed in the making of this film. So the chimp is fine uh, and, and the horses are fine. All the things are fine. But I thought that was a really, I think it's an interesting take on what could be, could have been just a run of the mill kind of horror film about an yeah. alien monster thing. Yeah, and I think it, it kind of harkens back to that uh, biblical verse that it opens up with, right? I will cast abominable filth upon you, make you vile, and make you a spectacle. So um, I think in trying to create a spectacle, uh, you know, you get it th- from the chimpanzee at first, and then trying to make a spectacle out of this that you'll actually, you know, uh, be cast, uh, <laughs> you know, upon uh, with filth, and you will be the one that has made the spectacle. Um, and then, yeah, I think a lot of that has to do then with uh, kind of that unresolved uh, childhood trauma, which I think is what that shoe represents. Um, you know that's that's not falling over it's kind of standing up on its end like it it never falls over like it should it's just it's kind of unresolved and that's uh Mm -hmm. you see that carrying through to uh jupe then um you know as he's not able to process that trauma and to to learn the lessons and yeah uh, things and uh you know probably get the uh, mental help that he would have needed you know back from uh you know 1998 uh and that so uh yeah that is that is nope it is it is pretty crazy it is pretty wild um it is uh, it's it's different than I thought it was going to be, uh, which is which is not a bad thing, and I'm very excited to see it again. Um, so let us know out there if you are going out to the movies to see Nope, if you've seen it, uh, what you uh, think about Jordan Peele's other films, you know, which one's your favorites, and what you thought about this one. Uh, so let us know that. Let us know if you make yourself a flying horse, because you definitely should, and it's easy uh, way to uh, jazz up a regular martini. Uh, so do that. Uh, make one of those up, take a picture of it, and send that into us. You can tag us on our Instagram and Twitter. It's at Drink the Movies and on Facebook.com slash Drink the Movies. If you want to see pictures of ours, pictures of Michaela and I at the theater last night, uh, getting the written recipe, episode recaps, all that stuff, you can do that on our website. You know, and after you have abolished this sky monster with a inflatable uh, Frisch's Big Boy, uh, you should swing by your favorite podcast player and leave us a review. Michaela, where can they do that? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. We just made the top 100 uh, podcasts for good pods. Yeah. So mm-hmm. please, if that's where you're listening, keep doing that. I love that. I'm super yeah. excited uh, to spread the cocktail movie love. Leave us a five-star review. The more reviews you leave, the more you tell your friends, the more we can get drink movies out there exactly exactly we do appreciate that and yeah love to uh love to see that uh good feedback on uh good pods already so uh definitely loving that so uh with that in mind Michaela I you know we need to decompress I need to see uh, about going to see this movie again so I can uh further understand it and uh, I don't know uh we'll, we'll have to we'll have to keep keep at this one in, until we get it because I I think that I think both you and I uh, want to go see this again, and we definitely want to make another flying horse. So we're going to go do that, Absolutely. and and we'll be back next week to talk to everyone about another movie on drink, drink the movies, the movies. Nope. nope.